Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Coat Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast. I'm Dave Etler. And you know, I'm ready for fall. I do uh, miss New England Falls from New England, which seems longer, seemed longer to me and had more color in the trees and, and you know, in another life I worked for UMass Transit Service training uh, and driving, training, driving city buses and training drivers. And I remember more than once being totally gobsmacked by the colors as I drove around New England and, well, not all of New England. It wasn't that big. Um, and... I just remember being totally amazed by the colors. And I don't really see that that much in Iowa. It occurred to me recently. Is there any place one can go in Iowa? Me? It's very, There's great it's places way, for that. <laughs> I don't know if it's as good as... Okay, go out, go out to... Uh, what's that, that point? Squire Point. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I've heard of it. I've never it's been. It's like single track trails Where's over that? by... Coralville Lake, maybe. Oh, not too far away. All right. And I think I think there's like a point in the year where you could argue it's it's possibly the prettiest place on earth. Okay, possibly. Well, I'm I'm also colorblind. Then <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's not really I. Little red. Yeah. No, yeah. but I mean, when I was in in New England, I it, I don't know. You appreciate it. I appreciate not here. I don't understand. But anyway, the point is, you know, they had to be incredible in New England if. Uh, if I was gobsmacked. Uh, anyway, the point is, I mustn't retreat. Whoa! <laughs> God. You told me to do it. I've been waiting. Uh, we'll explain in a second. Uh, <laughs> I mustn't retreat longingly into my past. Because when my present includes Lisa Weir, hey, Nick, hey. Nick Spar, Hello. Aline Sanduk, Hello. Rach- and Rachel Schenkel. Hi. What do I have to complain about? Hi, guys. So, for a while this summer, now I'll explain why I just jumped. <laughs> for a while this summer, I was seeing a lot of ads and buzz about a device that promised to help us kick bad habits. It's called the Pavlock. And like lots of devices these days, the manufacturer of this device was crowdfunded on Indiegogo. There must be a lot of people with bad habits out there because it was funded at 508% of their ask. Uh, and they raised 283000 Almost $284,000. And uh, just to give you a little taste of what they were talking about, here is a clip from the crowdfunding video. More than 40% of our lives are spent in habit. For most of us, that time is wasted. The secret to transformation is not to try harder. It's to replace bad habits with the habits of excellence. If you wanted to transform yourself, how would you start? First, Identify the habits that hold you back. Pair them with a negative stimulus, like electric shock. Each surge of voltage trains your brain and weakens the neural connection until the bad habit is severed. Next, replace the bad habit with a positive one. Reward yourself when you complete your daily goal. Commit to a penalty if you fail. Mm. <laughs> I love the uplifting background music that's like zap yourself <laughs> and then shing sever the bad habits. So anyway, that got me thinking. Uh, much of disease is based in human behavior, right? Was there a? I feel like I've heard some percentage of oh, like sixty percent or some, if not more. Yeah. Seems like uh, mm-hmm. one of those percentages you might 
pull out of thin air. But anyway, uh, maybe this is a good thing for doctors to keep in their toolbox. So I wrote to the makers of Pavlock and asked them to send us an evaluation unit in exchange for an unbiased review. And I'll be damned if they did. Uh, You didn't say um. I said, oh, uh, that's right. Come on, wait for it. I am actually, the the thing here is that I'm wearing it right now. Lisa Weir has been given the opportunity to shock me every time I say the word uh or um. That doesn't count. That doesn't doesn't count. count. I know, I know. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Uh, Does this thing work? Are you giving me a shock? No, I didn't touch it. No, that I'm flinching Lisa, because I'm expecting it. Oh. Lisa needs a shock every time she misses. All right. We'll wear, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll we wear a big circle Pavlox of Pavlovs here. and we'll all work on it. I missed that. Um, I'm sorry. It's... <laughs> now I'm frozen. <laughs> so, Nick, Lisa, and Aline have all had a crack at this little guy over the past few weeks. So, um, who wants to... Describe the. I'm sorry. Who want, you can do it anytime. You don't have I'm to. I'm too used to training dogs, and if you miss it by like two seconds, it's pointless. But you're not a dog; you're a human. So I will. Uh. I will shock away. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to describe the uh, Pavlock? Damn! <laughs> it's a little delayed. I'm sorry. It's all right. Who wants to take a crack at describing Pavlock here? I Go can ahead, do it. Go ahead. So the 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 theory is that. This uh, this is all based on the theory of the Pavlovian response, which is that I think th- I think this study was done originally with dogs, and if you ring a bell and feed them every time you ring a bell, then eventually the dogs will begin salivating every time they hear the sound of the bell. Presumably, then every time Dave says "uh" and gets a shock, then. He will begin to associate saying "uh" with a negative stimulus or with this with a shock, and will stop doing it. So this is classical conditioning. I mean, if you take a psych class as an undergrad, you're you're gonna get this information. But so, and and it's the opposite, basically, of the pa- I think it's the opposite of the Pavlov, the classical Pavlov conditioning experiment, where you pair a bell with food. In this case, you're pairing a negative stimulus. You're pairing a undesired behavior with a negative stimulus. Correct. I think yeah, there are I variations mean, of the... Yeah, it's first order classical conditioning. It's just Pavlov traditionally used... Get Elisa! <laughs> Damn, girl. Traditionally that used first a order. reward, which is food. This is a version of punishment because it is an actual negative stimulus. Hmm. That is as opposed to a negative reward, but okay. that's beyond this, so... Do you, do you, no, it's not at all. Do you mind if I physically describe this device? It's a wrist-worn... Um, crap. Oh, it didn't do it. Oh, I, I, do you want me to hit it? Okay, go. <laughs> Did it go? No. Can I, I think the it? red light means... Oh, God. I think I hit the wrong button. <laughs> no, I really... Because it... it, it oh, I see, that is a buzz. Way. That is a vibration... Because you, you lifted your hand, right? No. No, I definitely hit the but the the lightning bolt button. Oh, do it again. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Anyway, the point is, it is a uh, it is a a wristband. You wear it on your wrist, uh, and it's wrapped in what I'm sure is some sort of silicone uh, rubber, and inside is a removable battery-powered, rechargeable device that has electrical contacts that sit against your skin. And on the front is a 
some LEDs in the shape of a lightning bolt. And so when it's triggered, which you can you can trigger it by tapping it, or you can trigger it as Lisa is doing with her Bluetooth enabled phone. I think you have to push down on it. Yeah. To trigger it. To your trigger it? Okay, so like this. Oh god. <clears throat> Yep. The one thing about that, though, is it gives you a little, like, warning vibration before it shocks you. Mm. So, theoretically, as you progress through this Pavlek training program, um, you could you could, you could could move to second-order conditioning, where now you're pairing the buzz with your negative stimulus with your bad habit, so you can wean yourself off of the actual, like, zapping, so then the vibration itself could be your reminder. I'm sweating. <laughs> right He's now. really nervous. I've got, we turned it up to 100% and I'm wearing it Would on you... a very sensitive part of my wrist. Would you like the, me to the turn it down? Part. No, it's fine. <laughs> I'm tough. I can handle it. Uh, what does it come with? What's in the box? Not much. Yeah, literally just the Pavlok itself and then the USB that yeah. you use to charge the battery pack. And there was also a, a manual, I think, with oh, a short little manual, yes. yeah, with uh, a lot of sort of justification on the how this works and yeah, and like examples of things you could train yourself to not do anymore. So I sent out an email to the potential cast of uh, podcasters, and I got back many emails saying, "Yes, I would love to do that." And they all said that their habit was biting their nails. <laughs> um, so I don't know what it is about medical students and nail biting. Lisa's missing all my us. I, I feel like oh, I, can, I'm sorry. I, can, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> There's no I'm, I'm so man, engrossed Lisa. by what you're there telling is, me that I Well, just, that would make one person either in this that world, or I'm too glad. used to all of your us. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the take home message for me. I don't need this damn thing. <laughs> and, yeah, so everybody wanted to get rid of Nail biting, is that what you guys all thought That's of as your habit? Yeah. I've never bit my nails, so... No. What, do you, what was your... Did you... I procrastination on studying. Okay. I'm really bad about that. I'm a nail biter. All right. First. Did you... So, Nick, you were first up. You got the first crack at this. What yep. was your experience like? Well, I still bite my nails. So, I don't know. <laughs> For me, it didn't... Spoiler, I don't know that. Failed. Strike yeah. one. Yeah. But then, I, you know... Did you follow fair, the directions? I mean, did you really? Right. So I just I just learned uh, today from talking to Lisa that you can that you can uh, have a shock you every time you lift your hand, which I didn't, you know. Although then wouldn't it shock me every time I try to eat something? Try mm. to you know? Yeah. So I don't. It was too. That's maybe too generic. I think the problem I had with it was I was, you know, you have to apply the shock yourself, which is not part of Pavlov's original experiment. So it's sort of a you know, you're introducing this additional action required on the part of the person who's supposed to be breaking the bad habit. And frankly, I think there are better and far less expensive methods of, of uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. I can think of one off the top of my head that probably everybody has already thought of. But I seem to remember there was supposed to be a period where you engaged in the behavior purposefully mm -hmm. and shocked yourself. Right as a result and, and sort of so there would be a period of like I, I don't remember how long what do they recommend like wearing it for a week yeah yep i'm only getting buzzes i'm not getting sure. i i don't know i'm thinking this too much i'm handing this buzzing off <laughs> you think it's over because you just like move through it so i think it's okay i feel like if you like do i hold i don't know hold maybe i maybe uh it, it just kind of buzz you yeah go ahead 
go. There it is. Okay. <laughs> All right, got it. We want to just give him a little gentle reminder. There's the vibration. No, no, no gentle reminder. I don't need that button. <laughs> I am committed to getting rid of this habit of saying uh. And okay. I That's will. That's what I'm here for. I will take. I will. <laughs> I will take whatever you want to give me. Thank you. Can I have another? Um. <laughs> so. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's a period where you're supposed to engage in the behavior and give yourself a shock when you do on purpose. And I that was the first thing that kind of struck me as weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that didn't work for me. Okay. I felt it was very inorganic. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I don't know about you, Nick, but for me, there are certain circumstances in which I start engaging in my bad habits. And I know what they are. And so to do them on purpose, like, I didn't feel the need under those circumstances. Yeah. So yeah. I right. think, yeah, it's not necessarily like figuring out your circumstances. I think it's really like giving you the initial. So part of it is you have to be aware that you're doing your bad habit to shock yourself, right? That because is a the lot problem. of people mindlessly chew on their nails. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming I don't chew on my nails. So <laughs> no, I mean, please correct me are, if I'm wrong. Habits are mindless. But, you know, I my think. habits, like I find myself doing them all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, like I've been doing this for a while. So you have to be aware that you've been doing it. So I think for me, what I understood from that is like, if you intentionally do it, then at that point you are aware that you are doing your habit and that's your chance to, in that exact moment, associate it with your negative stimulus. I feel like it also kind of removes a step from like cause to like, here's the consequence of your action. Cause you, you can, you, you sit there for a moment. You're like, do I really want to do this to myself? Like, (laughs) it's not really just like, oh, this is, this is the consequence of it. Just like, this could be a consequence. It doesn't have to be. It seems like the purpose of that, though, is to create an additional habit, like a piggyback habit of this one-to-one effect of when I do this behavior, now I should remind myself to shock myself. It's like right? replacing heroin with methadone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. I no. mean, but really, <laughs> okay, it's not at all. Like that. But don't anyway, you, don't you have to replace all of your habits with something else? Like you have to be doing something else, right? You can never not be doing something, right? Well, then that was the second part so, of that quote that I pulled that from their video that I played, where it's supposed to you, now you're supposed to take it a step further and pair it with or do is, something to replace something else, that with yeah. something more positive. Okay, this is going back to my dog training <laughs> background. You can't train a dog like. You can theoretically try to train a dog not to jump, but that is it's really bad because you're just saying don't jump. The easier way to do that is to train them to sit instead. So you give them an alternate incompatible behavior because mm-hmm. if you train them to just like not do something, all of a sudden there's this blank space where they can do whatever and in their brain they're like oh. well what do i do now? They're like you know? acutely aware. Yeah, so it's of the, the same apps. thing. So like, well now i can't chew on my nails like what do I do now? Or people who are smoking, like, now I can't smoke, like, what do I do now? I have this this space in my day or this time or whatever where I'm missing something. And so that makes sense because I've heard, there. you know, like, if you're a smoker, replace smoking with chewing sugar-free gum. Yeah, exactly. Or eating carrots. Yeah, because you need something, yeah, you need something <laughs> for your hands and your mouth. That was a joke only my co-hosts could appreciate where I held up a fake carrot up to my lips like a cigarette. I um Blaze it. You guys are oh, yeah. you guys are failing. I know. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> God. 
<laughs> so anyway, so I think, okay, so when I was living it, I have this big problem with procrastination because I just cannot focus and I've tried all sorts of different things. I've tried the Pomodoro technique and all this other stuff, right? So I was like, God, I just get distracted when I'm studying. But the problem is I don't realize most of the time all of a sudden I'm off on like some completely different world and I've been there for the last 20 minutes and I should be looking at you world or whatever. So this, the nice thing about this that I didn't get a chance to try this week because I've been on all sorts of weird schedule rotation stuff um, is that you can actually download an app for Google Chrome. So if you have a problem with like Facebook or any sort of website, you can set it up to shock you automatically when you go to that website. Or as we discovered about 20 minutes ago was there is an IFTTT channel or IFT or however mm-hmm. you choose if, to say that yeah. channel for it so you can set it up for location-based services. So, so for you instance, have a problem with Starbucks, which heaven forbid, please don't do that for coffee. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Or McDonald's maybe um, or, you know, fast food, whatever. Yeah. You could set it up to shock you and then we were discussing if it would be accurate enough for when you like went towards your fridge or something. So here's the thing. You could, using... Your phone and if you could conceivably set up a geofence around McDonald's <laughs> and if you approached McDonald's, you would get a shock. Now, I'm not sure. <laughs> now, the problem with that is I ride by McDonald's every day to get to work. So I don't know how <laughs> I guess I would start avoiding McDonald's. Actually, My commute to work story. would get like a few minutes longer. But. I was kind of reading some various like blog articles and people who tried this for a variety of things. And one of the ladies was like it was a journalist who tried this and she's like oh yeah I was trying to get myself to you know so she downloaded the Chrome app set it up so it would shock her when she went to Facebook and she's like and then I realized I was a social media manager and I really need Facebook (laughs) for my job and I was like ooh that's a good point (laughs) Uh, well the thing about it is so so I was thinking also you know the other scenario is you know I have a, a home automation system at home so I could get a sensor put it on my fridge door and every time i open the fridge i would get a shock problem is i live with three other people <laughs> but- who may or may not want a snack <laughs> so nobody in this house can eat right now. automation only goes so i guess yeah automation only goes so far yeah in this for that you'd almost need like automation combined with a location like if your phone is within so many feet of the fridge as long as your kids don't think it's amusing i'm not to aware of a way steal to your do phone that. and yeah. you know walk towards the fridge or something because that could be funny i'm not aware of a way to do that yeah so this integration with ift might have been designed by people who live alone <laughs> or you know i'm not sure it, it, ex- it does expand the possibilities makes for some interesting uh ideas but you know clearly it needs to be more automatic in some way, I think, for it to work. Hmm. And I think that's I need to. Yeah. Well, I will and say this: even though Nick <laughs> is doing it, Nick and Lisa have been doing a rather terrible job of no, noticing. Stutters, stutters don't. Stutters I know. Don't See, count. stutters, I don't think I'm count. Not, I'm not talking about stuttering. I'm stuttering right now because I'm conscious. <laughs> Of the yeah. fact that I might, but I don't think we should. I don't think we should shock you for that because that's an improvement. Like you are, you are recognizing no, no, that I you're agree. about to say um, and so you you have these pauses. But I think that's a good sign. No, that's You'll what I was about them. to say. Is yeah. I am now because I've given up control. That's true. I am now very much more conscious of the fact that I could at any moment get shocked, and so well, that's. 
the trick to this thing? You have to have the iron will to carry out your own punishment. I, well, and I don't even think it's just will. Like, I think part of the reason people, like, they're habits because you don't think about them. And the only way you can break a habit is by thinking about it. So if you have to think about it to shock yourself, you could think about it and not shock yourself and get over the habit. But if you have someone else shocking you or an app that automatically shocks you, that takes out that step of that usually people come up against when they're trying to break habits is but knowing usually that isn't usually like it's also very if you're if you're a dog in a metal cage and you get shocked for engaging in a behavior, isn't that a stronger conditioning model than if the dog was responsible for shocking themselves? Like, wouldn't you think yeah. that like, if it's out of their control? Yeah. 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 I mean, because that's one of the reasons why. If you know it's in your control, you're like, well, just this one time I will go smoke a cigarette and exactly. not shock myself or whatever. Yeah. And people are really great at rationalizing we are. bad behaviors. That's why we get into bad behaviors in the first <laughs> place. Uh, cost of this is 169 right now, down from 199 on Pavlok's website. Worth it? Uh, I don't know. And go with emphatic no. Yeah. So for for example, in nail biting, uh, I was I was oh. unsuccessful using Pavlock to break that habit, um, and for much much less, I could buy. You can get like essentially like bitter nail polish <laughs> or a gonna, pack of gum. Right. I right. was just gonna ask. You know, when I'm in the hospital and I use hand sanitizer, like that stuff tastes bad, and you're supposed to wash your hands before you eat. But I'm I don't think about it and I'll find myself eating carrots and and I taste the hand sanitizer and it's gross. And I feel like if I were yeah. a nail biter, that would be that would be easier than the Pavlock for stopping. I guess that. we know you nail right. biters aren't using hand sanitizer. <laughs> or we are and we're just really committed to our benefit. Yeah. All right. So you don't you don't think one sixty nine is worth it. Because there are other options. There are other options. In that case, a better option, because then once I have nail polish on, for example, if I have like a better nail polish on, then I don't need to think about applying a negative stimulus. I get the negative stimulus as soon as my finger goes in my mouth or, you know, and then I think, oh, yeah, I'm not biting my nails. And it's immediate. Right. My problem with it is that I know full well what I'm doing when I bite my nails. And it's usually when I'm watching something really suspenseful. And I know exactly what I'm doing, but it's just a compulsion and you can't stop. And I feel like you could replace this device as high tech as it is, as, uh, you know, really sort of. Fi- Sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> it Fancy. was a little late on that one. <laughs> that's all right. I think it's. They, and that's the other thing. There's a delay. I think, yeah, between there's a bit of a delay. Triggering it <laughs> with the app. But anyway, the point is that it's having some effect, I think. <laughs> but you could replace this high-tech device with a very simple device, which is rubber band around your wrist, and you could snap the, time the rubber band. Rubber band. Exactly. Yes. I mean, that's... Maybe they should just change the marketing approach. Like, maybe they could market this as, like, a party game, and it would be, like, something fun. Like... <laughs> that that right? yeah. is absolutely the case. In fact, I was, was, was going to mention that, for me, I actually kind of enjoy... <laughs> <laughs> I was afraid to say it, but thank you, Dave. Yeah. I'm actually. Oh, what is the, who's the psychologist that did the study where like you, you are applying a shot to a person on the other side of the wall. Oh, Milner, right? Milgram. 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 Yeah. 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 So maybe there's some sort of. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe there's a. Well, what was the study? Um, so he took people. 
it's it's a very it's a classic one he had like volunteers come in and they were in a room and there was supposedly another volunteer in another room that was i can't remember answering answering questions or something and every time they got one wrong they were supposed to shock the other person and the shocks like progressively went up and the the study was at what point would they just refuse to shock someone but there was like a study person in there saying, "No, you have to shock this person." Like, no, no, wearing okay. a white Keep coat, and, exactly. Like, like they're official. fine, and it w- they would get feedback with like hearing screams when they shocked someone. Um, and it was the it was how high would people go? Only Shocking two people at, like didn't go all the way to the top yeah. level. Everyone and the top else level is went like at some point the screams just stop and yes, there's silence that's on what the it other is. side. They're, and the the dial is reading like people have like PTSD XX, like, from this, like, yeah, psychologically. Yeah, yeah, you can't do fun studies like that anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> thanks, IRB. Too bad. <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, how much would people obey an authority figure? And I think they've kind of applied this somewhat to people within the Holocaust. You know, like authorities right. telling them to yeah. do things, and why didn't they resist? And it's just prison studies. I think or prison another studies. Sort yeah. Of <clears throat> analogy with guards versus prisoners and Zimbardo study yeah yeah so it sounds to me that you guys agree with Nick yeah I'm I'm not sure I would invest in it as a habit-breaking medium but as a party game and yeah. if you have a lot yeah. of money to throw away, like it could be really fun on a set. Like you could combine it with like a drinking game and like, you know, instead of drinking, you get shocked and then, you know, I don't know. Be like $169 per person. Yeah. <laughs> per player. I mean, I guess if you had a bunch of friends who own their own Pavlocks, you could invite them over for a really weird shocking party. That... Yeah. Or you could split the cost of one between six people. Yeah. And it's actually pretty affordable. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think maybe it would work for someone. I think you need to really evaluate what habit you want to do and if that's the best method. Because there are various methods for habits. And if you are... If you have a friend who's willing to shock you every time you say, um, maybe it is a good investment if, um, is part of your job or something. <laughs> unless um, they end up replicating that. Or that. Or that unless study they, where they're like, although we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But or if you're able to set it up with some sort of location, something. But I think you need to kind of take the control out of your own hands or there are far cheaper solutions that you can kind of get similar effects with. And that I think is the downfall. One of the downfalls of this and device is that the control is always right in your now, hands. So mm-hmm. you can Good. come away for all you want. Cause Why? What's wrong? It, my Bluetooth isn't connecting to you. So <laughs> Yeah. <The Bluetooth, laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have told you. I don't Bluetooth know. Bluetooth is a little flaky. It is a little flaky. The um, 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 Really interesting. That's true. We didn't prime you by having you say um and then shocking yourself before the show. True, but that would be... Or me shocking you before the show. That would be less entertaining, maybe. So there was an article that came out in The Atlantic um, talking about how uh, CMS now is incorporating patient feedback and patient satisfaction. That would be the Center for Medicare... Medicaid Services. Medicaid Services, Mm -hmm. right. That's right. This authority figure that, (laughs) you know, a lot of hospitals rely on for funding... And so they're incorporating, I think, the results of like patient satisfaction surveys into how much each hospital gets reimbursed. And like there were a lot of really telling quotes. One of the quotes was the most satisfied patients were significantly more likely to die in the next four years. So the least satisfied patients were also the ones that had the best treatment and health care. 
That's hmm. a, so that's you should so you should replace theme. the satisfaction survey with one question that just says, "Did you die?" <laughs> if the answer is no, then they did a good job. I mean, right? they've done studies on this too, where patients, you know, their satisfaction goes down because their doctor didn't give them antibiotics that weren't indicated, or they didn't give them opioid pain medications that maybe would not have been better for them anyway. So yeah, satisfaction is a very poor measurement. It's a stupid It is not an outcome measure. measurement. Yeah. And here's here's my worry is that, you know, and it's uh I think I think there is some uh relevance to satisfaction or there is some uh it has a role in healthcare certainly. But my fear is that in a field like psychiatry, for example, patients come in all the time or in uh, anywhere where some of these drugs people are addicted to or or they're highly desirable. So patients are coming in asking for opioids and asking for um, amphetamines and the doctor is refusing those medications for good reason, uh, then should that doctor be punished? Because the patient's unsatisfied, and and should a doctor who's prescribing the uh, just handing them out like candy, mm-hmm. uh, be rewarded for that? Mm-hmm. The answer is obviously no. But that's sort of wait what? Little, yeah. I know, and right? I, yeah. <laughs> An interesting part of I think it was mentioned in that article, but it's also been studied is that when hospitals hire more nurses, patients are not only getting better care, they're more satisfied. So if they spend the money on nurses, they get like double the money or double the return on their dollar but instead of spending the money on nurses they spend the money on things like the patient satisfaction experience or you know like making the (laughs) hallways look pretty or anything like that so yeah some of the complaints that come up in these surveys for example is the hospital didn't have any Splenda yes or the other patient in the room was uh, dying all night so their breathing was very noisy yeah, no, I yeah. mean, and that's, and they always get tied to, at least when I worked at the hospital, the patient satisfaction surveys were tied to the unit that the patient, like, ultimately discharged from. So we would get surveys that were like, oh, the ER nurse was super mean to me, but that satisfaction survey reflected on our unit, even though it was not the ER, mm-hmm. um, or the food was cold, or they didn't have chocolate chip pancakes. So, you know, just like weird things that aren't necessarily indicative of good care. Like, sure, it's good to have good food, but I mean, it's healthcare as a business, which is this kind of, I don't know, it has a cognitive dissonance feel to me. Like, you're trying to get people to come and buy your services, but Maybe they're coming be- and buying your services. They're either sick and dying and or dying, hopefully not, I don't know, maybe both. Um, or they're coming and getting unnecessary health care. There are some who come and get preventive health care. That's true, but that's probably a smaller minority of the customers you're trying to attract. Maybe we should pair negative reinforcements with hospitals, like, you know, <laughs> there make is our... already one we'll make, death. We'll make our hospital a really unpleasant place so you don't want to be there, so stay healthy. A lot of people are afraid of hospitals, yeah. objectively. This, oh, sure. For good reasons. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I think what you were hinting at, Lisa, is like this bigger, sicker culture of treating healthcare like a business. And like what was especially striking in this article was how they talked about nurses being trained on non-medical skills or like job postings looking for nurses with great customer service skills. And I'm like, that's not their job. That's not what they're trained to do. It's to care for patients. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in some in some ways, some health insurance companies attempt to do this with, you know, charging. I've seen ones that if you go to the ER and it turns out to be like a medically unnecessary visit, your copay is higher than if it was something that you really need to go to the ER for, which is good and bad because it kind of discourages people from going to the ER for unnecessary reasons like an earache. But at the same time, the general public cannot always always differentiate between I need to go to the ER for this and I don't need to go to the ER for this. Although, so I suppose if you give them something like a free nurse line to call to be like, hey, do I need to go to the ER for this? That's a, an alternative. So that's something or, you know, the ACA requirement that you don't have to pay for any preventative care. So removing that negative stimulus of you go to the doctor to get health care to keep you healthy, but you have to pay for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There's some of your stimulus that needs a lot of working out. But <laughs> Sounds like an area that could use a little uh, thought. Yes. Or baking time. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, for my stays in the hospital, I'm thinking about this right now. My various stays in the hospital in my 46 years, I can tell you that I remember more about the nurses than I do about the other people I encountered, even the doctors. I mean, that's because they're so closely, they're in such close contact with the patients and the good ones I really, really remember. And the bad ones are relatively few and far between. What do you think made those memorable nurses so special? In such I think they were just, they were, they were, they were kind. They understood the things that I was, you know, whatever it was I was going through at the time. They were able to, if not provide, you know, some sort of physical relief from pain or whatever, they were at least able to comfort. Um, they knew what they were doing. Obviously, that's a big deal. Uh, you know, the, the ones that I don't, rem- the ones that I remember negatively, uh, didn't understand what was going on. I'll tell you the one thing that strikes me, and I don't know that it's anybody's fault, you know, but this sort of gets into the idea of what the patient experience is like and that it's not always rational. I've said on the show before, I had Guillain-Barre syndrome, paralyzed from the eyebrows down, you know, it was nasty, nasty, nasty experience. And I remember on my way down, like as I was getting worse, I was in the ICU, basically getting ready to be put on a respirator, I'm sure. I don't remember. I know I was terribly, terribly sick. And I remember hearing people, employees, I'm sure they were nurses, could be doctors, but people walking by in the hallway talking about whatever bullshit was going on in their lives. And I remember thinking, F- you people. I am dying, you know, and this is this kind of gets at the patient experience as being irrational sometimes, you know, I mean, it's rational to be upset that you're, you know, you're very sick and and, and that there are things going wrong. It's not rational to say, shut up, you people talking about your baseball and your kids going to school and all that kind of stuff, you know, like so. The patient experience is at times very irrational. And I just, you know, that's what I always think of when I think of these surveys. Like if I was a less rational person and if they were surveying me at that time, I might have said, I might have said, this is terrible. This is absolutely Mm -hmm. terrible. You should be out there, you know. Then again, you were probably literally having the worst day of your life. (laughs) Yes. And that's, again, that's the problem. You're surveying people who are literally in a lot of cases having a terrible day. So not, uh. Not the greatest of ideas. Yes, and there are so many different things that can go into like how good a patient's day is that have 
very like even even if like like if it's nothing to do with the hospital at all like their family just couldn't come in and visit that day or something like that you can just have a much much worse day totally just a really hard measurement to like tie to anything meaningful get rid of it world pick another metric (laughs) it's not so great let's work on it guys life is a series of trade-offs you can study until your brain bleeds or you can have a life right you can travel the world during medical school you can save money to pay back your student loans you can podcast on a friday afternoon or you can go home and sleep after your exam so let's find out what trademark what trade-offs you are willing to make by playing a game of what if it's easy i will present you with a what if and a trade-off and you guys tell me whether that's a compromise you're willing to make or not and feel free to contribute your own I haven't given you a lot of time to think of these, but I think it'll become clear how this works. So let's let's start. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay, Aline. I like games. <laughs> this is a good one for you. Okay. What if you could get a top step one score? Oh, I can't believe you went there. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that when you were studying, it was just, it was it was a, you know diff- an angst-ridden time for disaster. as is, as it was is with most students. What if you could get a top one score, but you had to have a raging case of anal pruritus five days a month during residency? I would, yeah, I would, I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. Yeah, would anyone not do it? That's like five days a month of intense for re- only for residency. Is that f- only for residency? Well, oh, yeah. yeah There's ways to, like, like, you know, five years. I think years? everybody yeah, would years? do that. I could put, I could put like a little, I could, I could take this, the Pavlock and use that to like distract you know, yourself. Yeah, or something. Maybe yeah, the yeah. The only way you could like even tempt me away from the top step one score is that if I had like on a daily basis, like an above average, awesome, non anally irritating experience. And then it would really be a huge flip from like awesome, not butt scratching to like the worst ever. Then I'd be like, oh, shit, that really would be a big shift in perspective for me. Okay. This, like, this is a three digit score that essentially determines your value as a human being. What you can do with your life. If you're, yeah. if you're like going down this path in life, that's essentially like you are either yeah, you're What's either the top mm-hmm. score you can get is it like two? Does anyone know the top score? Uh, yeah, I don't get? Is there no a, one gets the top score. Yeah. <laughs> also, I feel like in terms of badness, like a full day of studying for step one would probably be equal to about like ten days of like butt itching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like conversionally wise, like it just it makes might be like sense. a month of butt itching. <laughs> Six weeks actually. Six weeks of anal irritation. Yeah, I would well, probably. Yeah. We need to enact the uh, the anal pruritus scale of. I mean, how maybe many, that should be like. Yeah. <laughs> would you rather come back to this hospital or have a raging case of anal pruritus? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, Lisa, what if you were guaranteed a very successful career in medicine, but you had to be married to a television quack physician? Hmm. Well, Dr. Oz is a pretty attractive that's, dude. That's, I was you know. actually just going to say that. I was like, Dr. Oz is relatively attractive for his age. Um, this couldn't. This might not be the worst you thing in the world. You have to be married to him. You have to live in the same house. Like, a lot do you of think people he's are like that at home? Never yeah. see each other. Like, 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 that's true. A, yes. I can just work a ton. <laughs> B, Separate B do you think he's like that at home? I feel like a lot of yeah, personalities, like, be. they put it 
on more when they're on TV because that's how you engage an audience and you say ridiculous things that you may or may not believe. Actually, Matt's dad has this theory that the way to get rich is to say just like really awful things that piss people off and then they pay attention to you or you write a book that says just like the most ridiculous things and people buy the book to burn it or something and then you're, they're buying your book so you're set in life and I was like hmm that's <laughs> yeah. an odd theory yeah. but do you, so sometimes I think that, that maybe TV personalities are like that they go a little above and oh, beyond yeah. what they yeah. actually yeah. think because their job is to get people to watch their TV yeah. show maybe not actually I mean he, he has admitted in in court that he doesn't believe some of that yeah that yeah. he knows some of what he's saying is can't blame him for yeah. Being yeah. A, a and he gets a lot of money to say it yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly so um that might not be a bad trade-off. Okay. Would you rather do the... Hopefully Matt doesn't listen to this marry, episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, this is hypothetical. Or Matt's going to be the next Dr. Oz. Oh, yeah. Speaking would of you Matt, rather... did you tell him to come home and um, use some random pet name that was a dog treat? <laughs> that was I told him to call you Beefums. That's what yeah, it was. I think I, that's a shot. I couldn't think of I it. And I shot. was like... Mm. <laughs> That's a did he just, it's not connected. Did he just come right out with it like hi beefums? No, I hope he did. no that would have been funnier. Uh, we, were, we were discussing what he talked about on the show, and somehow you guys had been talking about beefums, and someone thought that would be a great pet name for your significant other. Yeah, I don't think that you disagree. No, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> All right, what if your patients were always easily cured when you were happy, but difficult to? Cure when you were sad. What? I don't know if this is a trade-off That's one. Perfect. Like, <laughs> sorry, I should let you. Answer. That's perfect because you're always happy. <laughs> well, like it's like a, like a, you know, it's like a spiral. Yeah, a self-replicating. Spiral. Is that not? Yeah, it's sort of like a Pavlov. Like, I just have to go. Uh, like, you know, Pavlovian response to like <laughs> make me out. happier. Ah, everything's going bad. My patients aren't getting better. Yeah, I know. I just need to be happy. But, but are there not I'll, days like, when you are just sad for no reason? Yeah. What? So what? What's the role of like faking it in this in this scenario? Mm. No role. You are either happy or sad, or ah, oh, that'd just be kind of annoying. It yeah, that'd like be a chicken and the egg situation. Where you're, yeah. are you sad because your patients are sick, or are they sick because you're sad? I feel that would be great. Like you would totally justify self care days. Like <laughs> be like, this That's is true. Like, oh, I'm like, 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 so I'm in a good. If mood I come in, back. everyone's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which is like actually pretty speak? close to reality. Yeah. <laughs> I need a sick day. You need me to have a sick day. <laughs> Hospital administrator. All right. What if you live? Who's, who's this for? Oh, I I didn't uh, specify. We're going. We're, oh, we're going wait, around. She hasn't had one yet. Okay, Rachel. What if you? This might be sort of a repeat. Well, whatever. What if you live happily ever after? But had to marry your least favorite faculty member to do it. No names. <laughs> <gasps> well, it's, like, it t- seems like it. Maybe, maybe your least favorite faculty member like just leaves you a huge like inheritance or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, it says happily ever after. However, that You're might mercenary like. bunch. <laughs> yeah. No, you have to marry and live with forever. He mysteriously, he she mysteriously dies. I feel like <laughs> what, what kind of life insurance? That was how I interpreted what, what Rachel just. I don't know. <laughs> you have to live with them for the rest of your life and be married to them for the rest of. Your but life. you're happy. Yeah, I feel like the happily ever after, like, like is somehow something works out there. Like, yeah. uh, all right, I, I don't think you're. This is, <laughs> Rachel is somehow way more strategic. I don't. I know. I don't think you're thinking about this. Right, right, right. Close your eyes. Close your eyes, Rachel. Picture in your mind. 
your least favorite faculty member. Don't say out loud. We don't. That's not necessary. We all have somebody who is in our lives who is our least favorite person. All right. Now open your eyes and revisit the question again. You would be married to that person forever if you could. If you would be happily ever after. It sounds like my life's going pretty good. All right. I'm happily ever after. All right. Like, such an optimist. <laughs> why, by the way, why are we treating marriage like a punishment? In all I hope my wife isn't listening. <laughs> Should I be rethinking my life here? What if you, <laughs> what if you had, what if, Aline, what if you could accomplish anything at all, but you had to sacrifice 10 puppies to do it? Whoa. This is a heavy hitter here. Uh, oh boy. I don't know. But do what it. if, what if, Go ahead. Sorry, this is getting like like utilitarian. What if you could like we if we know anything about if we know anything about Rachel, <laughs> she's utilitarian. What if they so. were like violently ill puppies? No, or puppies. With they were dying from parvo cancer. anyway. They're just puppies. They're nice, they can be ugly puppies. Cute little puppies. <laughs> oh, there's no such thing. Yeah. Oh my God. Even like, a pug is... Like anything is you know that's kind of a blank slate. It's there's absolutely a, lot a blank you can do slate. Do with anything. And this is a lifelong this is a lifelong condition too. You could, you know, basically choose to end world hunger. What do you get multiple? Can I be like uh, I'm gonna end yeah, today? World I feel today. like it would be yesterday, eight, I, tomorrow. Right, exactly. And, like each one would cost me ten puppies. Mm -hmm. I feel like oh, it would be like unethical wow. to not do this. Mm, I don't <laughs> like, know though. Aren't we basically just? I'm with Rachel. Aren't we basically? I think you got to kill the puppies. I think we're just. <laughs> having this I think I would wake up every single morning of my life and be like. My life is the way it is because I killed 10 puppies. <laughs> I would never be able to No, it, it would be everyone's life is the way it is because you killed 10 puppies. Yeah, but I was the person that I was driving down the street a couple days ago. Matt was with me, so he can vouch for me on this one. And I saw a squirrel that had recently been hit and was twitching in the throes of death. And I was very, very, very upset. Oh, and I, I wasn't even that. the one that hit the squirrel. But then, <laughs> but then every single bad, like the, every person that dies of hunger... You have to tell them. Sorry, uh, I couldn't kill those puppies. I really like puppies. I'm Do sorry. To, Do you have to kill I'm the sorry your child yourself? is dying of this preventable disease, but yeah, you had to uh, sacrifice ten puppies. You had to, okay, yeah. so but really though, okay, so sacrificing ten puppies would give you a guarantee. Does this mean that if I didn't sacrifice ten puppies? I couldn't do this or that I could still do this. It just might not work out as well. I believe my interpretation of this question that I made up myself, <laughs> so I'm the right You're person the to maker. interpret it, is that you could indeed accomplish things without sacrificing puppies. It would just be a lot harder. It like would be the usual, path. the usually difficult path to success. What do you mean? What do we mean by sacrifice? Like, what if we you got to kill him? You have to do it yourself. <laughs> you got to kill him, and you got to do it yourself. In a very torturous manner. I let's you could you so could sacrifice means death. You could no choose the method, I guess. <laughs> Aline's got this look on her face, like so. by mini puppy guillotine. <laughs> oh. <That's> <laughs> isn't this what isn't this what medical research is all about? Yeah, this is why it I is. could never do animal. It really is. I don't do animal work. I, I do not do, do animal work. All right, let's consider this one answered as like, I don't know. The dark side is over here. <laughs> it's true. Rachel. The two very cold, economists over there. <laughs> All right. What if it were perfectly acceptable to everyone that you show up, in, you show up to your clerkship in your jammies, 
Only if you only if you gave a tube of blood every day. Oh, I yeah, feel whatever. like scrubs are already kind of jamming. Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> but true. you can't show up to your. Can you show up to any clerkship in your scrubs? I Not mean, is that... any clerkship. Okay. Not Pete's impatient during the day. Um, that's just a, a random one okay. uh, <laughs> that you would think you could wear scrubs to, but you can't. I I don't know. I don't have no problem with having my blood being drawn. What am I giving it for? Am I giving it for puppies to be killed? Because <laughs> in that case, maybe not. But yeah, is there any benefit that comes yeah, from the? Like, if blood am now? I just like dumping it out? Am You're I dumping it out on the floor? Just a tube of blood? That sounds That's like a, a biohazard. Lot of, That's I, a lot of blood. Honestly, I don't. A tube a day. We do that to hospital patients all the time. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no, I have no problem with it. I have you, you, no so fear. So would you of wear your jammies? Would you? Would you? My jammies. In that situation, I wouldn't have to wear a bra any day. <laughs> What do you mean? Yeah, like I would do that it would be, be very it. like it'd be like I I would wear I would take advantage just by wearing shorts. That yeah, would be my thing. I mean big that's thing. kinda what I wear to bed is a t shirt and shorts. So But the hospital is so cold. It is really cold. But then I could wear a hooded sweatshirt. I got chewed out for that the other night. And it wasn't even wearing a hooded sweatshirt. I was just wearing a nice zip up sweatshirt in the workroom, but whatever. Oh boy. why did you get chewed out for that? Supposedly it's an infection hazard, but my white coat isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Just for, just for the record, I wash my sweatshirt every like three days, and I wash my white coat every like six weeks. Maybe. Okay. Ooh, all right. <laughs> there is a guy so in the hospital who was very adamant on getting rid of the white coats, and he is my best friend right now. I don't yeah. know him, but I love him. <laughs> they're uh, gross. Yeah, they're nasty. They surveyed a bunch of physicians to see who washed their coat every day, who washed their coat every week, every month, or never. And like the proportion of never was frighteningly high. I but, never have. And the stuff that they can <laughs> yeah. culture off the, off the coats is not, not fun either. Yeah. Culture lots of stuff off your coat. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. Well, then, let's keep those around. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a really good idea. Well, all right. Just like that, we're done. Let's get this weekend started, shall we? Thank you so much for hanging out with us today, listeners. If you like what you hear, go to iTunes, whether you use iTunes or not, and give us a review. The reviews there help us grow the show. And that's what we want. As always, we're listening all over the place. How'd we do today? What can we do for you tomorrow? Let us know at theshortcoat.com slash tell us or give us a call at 347-SHORT-CT. 347-746-7828. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our editor and engineer is none other than Aline Sanduk. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox. Our closing music is by AgriFox. Talk to you in one week. puppies.